Welcome to the Mariners Cast, presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is Friday, November 3rd, 2023. This is Mariners Cast number 104. We are going to cover the Mariners outfield. We're going to talk a bit about what the Mariners have in the system uh, at the major league level, last year's performance in the outfield, primarily the corners. I don't think covering Julio is is necessary on this podcast. Uh, And then we're going to dig into what options the Mariners have um, to supplement specifically offensively in the outfield and what I believe they should do. So, We will start by covering the current Mariners outfielders. We'll dig into the system a little bit and talk about some of the minor leaguers. Then we will uh, tackle free agency and uh, run down free agents that are available. um, Some that I think are appropriate and uh, the right choices for the Mariners. Some that I might take a chance on. Some that I don't like at all for the Mariners, and then we will go over uh, various trade scenarios that could potentially fill in in the corner outfield for the Mariners. And then finally, I put together uh, four different scenarios uh, for the Mariners that I think are realistic. We will go through those as well. Um, So buckle up. Today will be a longer Mariners cast, but there's a lot to cover with uh, the Mariners and their, uh, their need for offense in the outfield. So let's get started. Uh, You have to start uh, the evaluation of the Mariners corner outfield with uh, Jared Kelnick. Jared Kelnick is going to start uh, in all likelihood in left field for the Mariners in 2024. As everyone knows, he's 24 years old. Left-handed hitter was acquired in the uh, Edwin Diaz uh, Robinson Cano swap with the New York Mets a few years ago. Uh, top 10 prospect in baseball a couple years ago, up and down with the Mariners, as you know, has not really fulfilled his true potential yet uh, with the Mariners, but has uh, proven to hit for quite a bit of power, um, impact the ball, plays a, I would call a an average center field uh, and, and adds a little bit of speed. So in 23, uh, we all know Jerry Kelnick got off to a, a really hot start. Um, talk about him as an all-star, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he got hurt. And then when he came back, he was actually a very different player um, with more on-base ability, but less power when he came back in the second half. So 416 plate appearances in 23, 11 homers, 13 stolen bases, 253 average, 746 OPS. That was good for a 108 WRC plus. 9.9% walk rate, 31.7% K rate. Walk rate is in the 68th percentile in Major League Baseball, K rate in the 7th percentile. So when we talk about what the Mariners are trying to change with regards to their offense and their approach, Kelnick is one of the big offenders in that he strikes out uh, as much as he does almost a third of the time. He was good for 1.3 fan graphs for last season. 
Uh, some other stats, he had a batting average of balls in play of 359. That is very elevated. One would expect that number to regress to the mean in 2024. Uh, if all else stays the same, you're looking at a low 200s hitter. Uh, I don't think that's where he ends up, but the BABIP was high last season. Average exit velocity, 90.9 miles an hour, good for 75th percentile in baseball. 112 max exit velocity, so he clearly hits the ball hard, um, harder than the average major league hitter. 9.5% barrel rate put him in the 59th percentile. 73rd percentile hard hit, 41% pull, 43% ground ball, 14% swinging strike rate. So hits the ball in the air enough, pulls the ball um, probably at an average rate for major leaguers. Uh, You'd like to see that come up a little bit if he is going to try to hit um, for power in the way that he has been. Uh, But he definitely impacts the ball when he hits it. Problem is he strikes out almost a third of the time. His zone contact rate, meaning his ability to hit the ball, hit strikes essentially uh, when he swings is 77.2%. That is almost 5% below league average for zone contact. Uh, That means there's a lot of swing and miss in the zone. His chase contact rate, 42.3%. That is over 15% less than league average. What that means is when he chases pitches, he is less likely, 15% less likely to make contact than your average major league hitter. So he really needs to not chase. And ninth percentile for whiff rate, meaning tons of swing and miss. He had no real discernible platoon split versus righties and lefties. He actually hit lefties a little bit better than he did right-handers last year. I think that is a good sign for things to come. Um, There was some debate about that coming into the season. And then, as I said, first half, 245 average, but a 755 OPS. That's coupled with the 438 slug. Second half of the season, 288 average. So he raises his average by 43 points. 373 on base percentage, but only a 333 slug for good for a 707 OPS. So very different hitter in the second half, trying to get on base um, very clearly. I don't know if that was due in part to the injury or just a a change in approach. Uh, Outs above average was zero, 47th percentile outs above average, average defensive uh, corner outfielder, and 66th percentile speed. So What do we have as the Mariners in Jared Keldick? I think if he's healthy and he is able to accumulate, you know, 550 plate appearances, um, you see him uh, play a lot against lefties. I think you're looking at a probably a 250 to 265 hitter who will hit Low 20s home runs, probably steal 20 bags or so. Uh, Will walk a good amount, have a pretty decent on-base percentage, and strike out a ton. Um, Is he a championship corner outfielder? What I mean by that is, uh, is he the type of outfielder that is going to be starting in left field for you um, when you win a World Series? Uh, I would say he has the talent to be. I don't think he has um, scratched that talent yet. So Kelnick is, I think, deserves at 24 years old, deserves another year 
uh, to see if he's able to reach that potential. It's worth it, in my mind, to give him another shot to play left field for the Mariners. Uh, is he going to be a superstar? I don't think so. Uh, can he contribute like 120 WRC plus years at, you know, four fan graphs war? I, I think he's capable. Um, so Kelnick for me is, is an absolute yes. Uh, I think you stay with him. You put him and Julio together. You're talking about, you know, two players. Julio probably plays 155 games and Kelnick plays 140 or so. Uh, that takes up pretty much two thirds of the outfield. We will move on. Uh, I think I'll spend a little bit of time on each of these guys. Cade Marlowe came up, uh, left-handed hitting corner outfielder, uh, came up from AAA, uh, hit very well uh, for a bit uh, in the major leagues with the Mariners, ended up with a uh, 112 WRC plus and 100 plate appearances, 12% walk rate, 33% K rate. I think Cade Marlowe is a second division fourth outfielder. When you really boil it down, he is not. He should not be on the roster of a championship team. I think the Mariners clearly need to lengthen and deepen their bench. And I think they will attack that in free agency. I do not believe Kate Marlowe is a part of the 2024 Mariners uh, major league team. Sam Haggerty, switch hitter, 29 years old, can play second, a little bit of short, first, third, outfield, uh, very good athlete. In 2023, he hit uh, 253 with a 705 OPS, 108 plate appearances. He did have 10 stolen bases and was good for a 108 WRC plus, 14% walk rate, 16% K rate. So Sam Haggerty, uh, very much your punch and Judy type, you know, can can hit, uh, can get on base, can steal a bag, is a switch hitter was better against righties this year, was better against lefties last season. Uh, another player, I put him in the Marlowe category, where if he's on your major league roster, you probably have depth issues on your bench. I am saying Haggerty is a no-go for 2024. Dylan Moore, 31 years old, uh, signed a three-year contract that runs through 2025, so two more years on this contract. He played first, second, third, short, left, center, and right field for the Mariners last season, primarily in left field, 22 games, and second base, 23 games. Uh, I believe he will be on the roster in 24. Um, my hope, as I'll uh, state later in the scenarios, is that he is the 26th man on this roster. He is the last player on the bench. He hit 207, 303, 428 slug. 165 plate appearances, seven homers, seven steals, 10% walk rate, 31% K rate, 105 WRC plus. Now, from a Fangraphs war standpoint, he was worth 1.5 Fangraphs war in 2020 in the shortened season, 1.1 in 21, 2.1 in 22, and then uh, last year, 0.7. So he has been over one war in the previous seasons. And I think there is capability for his bat to come alive a little bit more. He should not ever hit against right-handers last season, 188 average 647 OPS for his career, 197 average 673 OPS against righties um, is strictly a platoon against left-handed pitching. 
uh, defensive replacement and pinch runner. Uh, outs above average was zero, speed 58th percentile last season. Uh, offensively, some of his struggles came from that he chased a lot more out of the zone, made less contact, also swung a lot more than he had any other year, um, and a higher whiff rate uh, than any other year. He does hit fastballs well. He struggles against everything else. I just think he needs to tweak his approach and hunt fastballs, swing a little bit less, and you do not play him against right-handers. I think he makes the team as the 26th man because of the contract, because he's owed $3 million, um this year and $3 million next year, and not necessarily because he's the right choice. Uh, but, you know, you have to be fiscally responsible. And... Dylan Moore is not a bad player. So he's the 26th man for me. Um, I don't know that he's any better than, say, a Jose Caballero or Sam Haggerty. Probably a little bit better, a little bit more power. But he's going to be the 26th man, in my opinion. All right. Dominic Canzone. I'm going to call him a corner outfielder slash first baseman. I would like to see the Mariners... Uh, settle him in at first. I don't know if that's going to happen next season. 26 years old, acquired in the Paul Seawall trade, along with Ryan Bliss and Josh Rojas, left-handed swinging hitter in AAA last season, 354 with a 1.065 OPS, good for a 151 WRC+. This was in AAA Reno with Arizona. Uh, Equal walk rate to K rate. In the majors, 220, 258, 350, or excuse me, 657 OPS, 182 play appearances, six home runs, only a 4.4% walk rate and a 17.6% K rate. I expect that walk rate to come up as he settles in in the majors. He barreled the ball 12.1% of the time, hard hit 42.6% of the time, average exit velocity 89.7 miles an hour. And his uh, expected batting average and his expected slug were much higher than his actual. So what's the deal with Canzone? Chases a lot, or he chased a lot in his Major League debut um, to the tune of over 13% more than league average. And he swung a lot more than your average Major League hitter, 7% more. So I think patience and toning down um, a little bit of the aggressive, at least with swing decisions, but continuing to impact the ball in the way that he has previously is the, I guess, the solution for Canzone. It's clear when he hits the ball, he hits it hard and he hits it far. He had a couple of majestic home runs for the Mariners this season. Um, I really like Canzone. I think there is, you know, low to mid twenties home run potential in his bat. I think he can also be a high average hitter. Uh, I think he's better than people think. He all, Because he impacts the ball in the way that he does and he doesn't strike out very much, this is the type of player the Mariners are going after. This is the type of bat that they want to um, switch in for a lot of those high strikeout hitters. So Canzone is a part of the future, whether you like him or not. Uh, I would love to see the Mariners uh, set him down at first base and just have him be the uh, strong side platoon first baseman. I don't care if it's Ty France taking the at-bats against lefties or someone else, but I think Ken Zone, you need to see what you have in, in him. He's reaching his physical peak at 26 years old. 
and he hits the ball hard enough. And there aren't a lot of of uh, bats out there to acquire at first base, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Canzone should be the guy, in my opinion. But I included him in the corner outfield because I think even if he is your primary first baseman, he will take some uh, plate appearances in the corner outfield as well. Um, so I'd like to move to the minor leagues now. Uh, Jonathan Classe is the first one that comes up for me. 21 years old, switch hitter, uh, high, high A and double A last season, uh, 70 grade speed, hit for a lot more power last season, 20 home runs than anyone thought. He had 79 stolen bases um, in 595 plate appearances. He only hit 242. His OPS was 802. He walked 14% of the time. He struck out 28% of the time. Is Jonathan Classe a bona fide major league hitter? I think that's up for debate still. There's a ton of swing and miss in his profile. Uh, when he does get on base, he is a threat to steal. He is a threat to hit a, a ball out. But I think you're looking at a low average hitter that can hit for some power and speed. I don't think he is a part of the Mariners' long-term plans. Um, If there's a team out there that likes this profile, I think you'd flip him for something else if you can. Uh, He does carry some value. He is incredibly fast. Uh, He doesn't utilize that speed completely in center field. Um, He is a decent center fielder because of the speed, not because of the instincts. I think ultimately his position is probably left field, uh, especially on the Mariners. If he was to be on the Mariners, I've cooled off a little bit on him. I don't think he's a part of the plans for 2024. Taylor Trammell, we all know, some of us love, 26 years old, former top prospect for the Reds and the Padres, left-handed hitter. He hit 268 with a 920 OPS in AAA, 21 homers in 391 plate appearances, 17 steals, good for a 119 WRC+. He is becoming a quintessential quad A player. Uh, For his career, he has a 638 OPS in the major leagues in 351 plate appearances, good for an 83 WRC+. Taylor Trammell should not be a part of the Mariners' major league plans in 2024. Alberto Rodriguez. 23 years old, left-handed hitter, very short, stocky guy, uh, high A, double A as a 23-year-old, hit 300, 884 OPS, 14 homers, and 524 plate appearances. I think he could develop into an okay left-handed bat off the bench. I don't think he's a starter in the majors. Zach Deloach, 25 years old, left-handed hitter, second-round pick in 2020 out of Texas A&M. In AAA, he at 286, 387, the 868 W or 868 OPS, good for a 111 WRC plus, 23 home runs. Decent hitter. He did strike out 28% of the time. I think too much swing and miss to be viable in the majors. He falls in that Marlowe category for me, uh, not a part of a championship team. At best, a fourth outfielder. Spencer Packard, modest tools, left-handed bat, 26 years old. 124 WRC plus in double A last season. Uh, good understanding of the strike zone can hit for some power, but just not the athlete, enough of an athlete to make an impact in the majors. Uh, and then Robert Perez Jr., uh, really a first baseman, can play a little bit of corner. Um, big power, right-handed hitter. 
double uh, A last season, 23 years old, but poor play approach um, and poor play discipline, discipline, not a part of the major league future. So that what that brings us to is the conclusion that as it stands currently, I think Jared Kelnick and Dominic Canzone are two real pieces, although we don't know quite what they will become. I think they are talented enough to be on the roster next season. Dylan Moore will also be on the roster next season, hopefully as the guy at the end of your bench. And the rest of them do not belong on the 2024 Mariners, barring injury. All right, free agency. We must start free agency in the outfield with Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, The Mariners have, I believe, four more days to offer Teoscar Hernandez the qualifying offer, what that is is a one-year contract at $20.0325 million. So $20 million for one year. If he rejects it, the Mariners get a draft pick in return. Uh, I believe the Mariners will offer Teo Scar Hernandez. I believe it's probably up in the air as to whether Teo actually um, accepts the QO. Uh, SportTrack had... Tails average annual value at $16.6 million. So a $20 million one-year contract is not too far above that. I would also say that uh, if you sign a player to a one-year contract, as opposed to a longer term, it typically ups the AAV for average annual value. So to me, that's fair market value, $20 million for Tailscar Hernandez. Who is Tailscar Hernandez at this point in time? I think he's gotten a bad rap from Mariners fans, especially online. Uh, He did. There was some signs of decline. He had his lowest walk rate of his career, his highest K rate of his career, or since 2019. His 105 WRC plus was the lowest that he's had since 2019. The previous three years, it was 142, 132, and 130. I think that's still in his bat. 678 plate appearances, 26 homers, 7 steals, only a 5.6% walk rate, and a 31.1% K rate. But he hits the ball extremely hard. 88th percentile barrel, max exit velocity of 112.6, average of 91.3, hard hit in the 90th percentile, um, just a ton of swing and miss, 17.7% swinging strike rate, which is extremely high, his highest since 2018. Doesn't make great contact in the zone, chases too much, chase contact is below league average. Hits lefties much better than righties last year versus lefties 287 with an 817 OPS versus righties 249 with a 718 OPS. Zero outs above average, 61st percentile and 82nd percentile speed. So It is in his bag to be able to put up 130 WRC plus years. He was in a new park and a park that was, is not conducive to right-handed power. Uh, That was quite the adjustment for him. I'm sure. I know he made some comments online about kind of the power suppression at T-Mobile and how frustrated he was. Tons of swing and miss, very frustrating hitter can go very hot and cold. Uh, But yet, you're still talking about low 20s to potentially 30 home run production. 
You're talking about a guy that's going to drive in probably close to 100 runs. He plays an average right field. He's fast. Um, I think he's a positive contributor in the clubhouse, despite what some people want to think. And there's potential for thunder in his bat. He was only worth 1.8 fan grass for last season, but a portion of that is also due to his defense. Um, I think the prudent thing to do now that we're getting into the discussion about free agency in the outfield, the prudent thing to do with Teo in my mind is to add, to offer him the QO. I think you offer Teo Scar Hernandez the qualifying offer. If he accepts and you pay him, I think, oh, excuse me, 20.325 million for one year. I think you run it back with him in right field. I like that scenario. Um, I don't love it. Uh, but under my, I guess this segues to, I've got three different players in the outfield that are free agents that I would absolutely say yes to, to one of them. The first one is Teo Scar. I think you offer him the QO. If he accepts it, cool. Now we attack first base and DH and try to find another player. Because I think that production at 20 million is is worth it in his age 32 season. Um, age 31 or 32, I think it's 32. The next absolute yes for me would be Cody Bellinger. I don't think this is a, a, a difficult one to say yes to. 28 years old. He had struggled for the pre the previous couple of years with the Dodgers, goes to the Cubs, has a uh, resurgent season. 307, 356 on base percentage, 525 slug, 881 OPS, 26 homers, 20 stolen bases, 134 WRC+, 15.6% K rate, K rate, contact rate fits what the Mariners are looking for, uh, a plus five outs above average, good for 88th percentile, very good defensive outfielder, and a 75th percentile speed. Bellinger is a player. Bellinger is a former National League MVP. He's 28 years old. He's kind of on the, the back end of his peak. Uh, I think he would fit in beautifully with the Mariners in right field. Uh, his average market value, according to SportTrack, is $22.5 million. SportTrack says, or SportTrack's uh, guess for a contract for Bellinger was five years, $112.6 million. I have the Mariners offer to Bellinger at six years, $150 million. Here's why. Whether Mariners fans want to admit, admit it or not, Seattle is not a desired destination for athletes. There are a number of reasons why. Uh, part of it is the travel, right? Upper corner of the United States, you've got to fly a lot more to get to games. Mariners travel more than any other major league team. Part of it is the weather. It's cold. It's damp. Um, it's bone chilling at times. Yes, there are colder parks, but there's something about the cold in Seattle and in the park that players don't like. There's the uh, power suppression in T-Mobile Park that impacts player stats. We all know about that as Mariners fans. We all know about the complaints from, you know, Basically, every free agent, Mar the free agent player that the Mariners have signed. There's frustration, right? 
So in order to attract a player of Cody Bellinger's ability, and it's a smaller market, if we're being honest, than New York and LA and Chicago. And there are players who like to play in big markets. Bellinger has played in LA and he's played in Chicago and he seems to be a player that doesn't mind the limelight. In Seattle, you're a lot more anonymous. So in order to attract a player of Bellinger's capability, given the contract offers he's going to see from the Yankees, probably from the Cubs again, some other teams, you are going to have to offer him more years, probably than any other team, and more money. Six years, $150 million is $25 million a year. That's $2.5 million more than the sport track market value. I think that's what it's going to take, plus an extra year to try to even to even be on the radar of Cody Bellinger. I think you still make that offer. The third player that is an absolute yes to me in free agency is a player that's gotten a lot of um, a lot of attention from Mariners Twitter over the last week or so. It's a player that I wanted them to trade for at the deadline, the trade deadline last season. I've been talking about him for a long time. Um, it's Jorge Soler, 31 years old. Sport track value is $13.9 million for Jorge Soler. Last season, 250, 341, 512 slug, 853 OPS. He hit 36 home runs. That was good for a 126 WRC+. 24.3% K rate, um, a little higher than you might like, but you can live with it for a player with immense power like Soler. Minus three outs above average. Going to hurt you if he has to play outfield much. The Mariners signed him. I think you could anticipate him playing DH 90% of the time. The offer that I would make to him is uh, $42 million over three years. That is That matches the uh, market annual value that SportTrack put out. Um, I don't know if you want to be in the business of giving a 31-year-old power hitter a three-year contract, but again... I think that's what the Mariners are going to have to do with a player like Solaire. You're going to have to give him an extra year. You might see this contract go to four years and 60 million at 15 a year. But to bring in a player of Solaire's power, I think it makes sense to make that offer. Um, We'll talk about how that fits, how he would fit in this team in a moment. The one thing about Solaire and Bellinger that make me nervous that I think Taylor avoids is they have both had some very down seasons amongst their their best seasons. So Solaire hit 48 homers for Kansas City in 19. 136 WRC plus player. But then he hit eight home runs in 20, which was shortened, obviously, 107 WRC plus. Had a 100 WRC plus in 21, a 95 WRC plus last season, back up to 126 this season. So He's a player who does a ton of damage. He had a great year. There are some signs in his, if you dig deeper into his stats, that he really did um, change his approach this season compared to previous seasons. He's always had a double double digit walk rates, which is great. Uh, his ground ball percentage was the lowest of his 11 year career. His fly ball percentage was the highest of his career. Those are great signs for a power hitter. Um, his home run to fly ball rate was pretty normal for his career. So these things are all kind of positives. He doesn't chase. He chases below average. Uh, his chase contact is pretty close to league average. So, yes, he's a traditional power hitter, but there's not the same swing and miss 
in the same holes in his game that you would expect from some other players. So I like the signs for this season. I think that they look to be sustainable. Um, and then Bellinger just was terrible for a couple of years before exploding again for the Cubs. 47 WRC plus in 21, 83 WRC plus in 22, up back to 134 last season. So there's some risk. What happens if you sign? they're your big signing and they fall off a cliff? Are you blaming Jerry DePoto again, the same way you did last season with Colton Wong and some of the others? Because the track record is more spotty than Colton Wong's was. I know y'all don't want to hear that, but it's true. So despite that, one of Bellinger, Teo, Soler is an absolute yes for me. I think you offer Teo the QO. If he rejects it, then you go hard after Soler and Bellinger. I think Bellinger's pie in the sky. I think Soler is realistic. Again, if it's me, you offer Teo first. If Teo says yes, then you say, okay, great. Not the perfect scenario, but we'll take it. We'll put you in there. We know what we're getting from you. There's upside for a little bit more based on um, uh, quality of contact. And we move on and we try to improve elsewhere. And we have our our right fielder. If it's Solaire, again, we'll talk about it later, but it's DH primarily, but you've got this big power hitter coming in. Then I've got a whole bunch of maybes. I've got Jock Peterson. He's 31, 111 WRC plus last season, left-handed DH essentially for the Giants. Michael Conforto is probably picking up his player option at 18 million, 30 years old, local kid, decent hitter, 15 home runs, 100 WRC plus last season, but he was coming off an injury. Uh, Mark Kana, I actually like a bit. Uh, Connor was traded to the Brewers, 35 years old. I think you signed him to a short-term deal. His sport track value is $7.3 million. Milwaukee has a club option at 11.5. I don't think they're picking that up. Uh, 507 plate appearances. He hit 262, 11 homers, 11 steals, 111 WRC+. plus. He's the type of player that I think if you sign him, he's not your primary corner outfielder. I think he plays against lefties. You get him some at-bats at DH. You get him some at-bats at first base. Um, you give him – you play him against some softer tossing right-handers. Uh, but I, I would like his addition if it didn't cost a ton. J.D. Martinez had a huge year for the Dodgers, 135 WRC+, plus, 33 home runs. He is a DH-only type player like Soler. $15.5 million is his market value but he is 36. Um, I like Soler better because he's 31. Tommy Pham, one of my personal favorites, 35 years old, played for the, was traded from the Mets to the Diamondbacks, lefty killer, uh, intense player, not always great in the clubhouse, hit 256 with a 774 OPS and 481 plate appearances. He had 16 homers and 22 steals. 22% K rate, that fits the Mariners' desire to make a little more contact. 110 WRC+. plus. If you sign Pham, I think you couple him with some left-handed hitting uh, outfielders in the corner. I think Pham can zone plat- platoon would be something I would be interested in. Um, Pham would be a great fourth outfielder and with some DHF bats. I would love to see the Mariners sign him. 
$8.4 million is the sport track estimated value. I'd give him a one-year $10 million contract and bring him in. I like him a lot. Lourdes Gurriel. Lots of people like him. Gurriel is 30. He was traded from the Blue Jays to the Diamondbacks last season, before last season. $14.7 million value, according to Sport Track. 262 average, 772 OPS, 592 plate appearances, 24 homers, 106 WRC plus, 75th percentile outs above average. Uh, don't love him. I think the 106 WRC plus is probably his peak because he hit 24 home runs and hit 261. Uh, kind of a boring player to me, doesn't move the needle. I know you'll say, well, that's the WRC plus is very similar to Taylor Scott Hernandez last season. Taylor has more upside, hits the ball harder, has the potential to hit for more power. Um those are all under the maybe bucket for me. I don't love any of those. I think if there was one that I would really vouch for, it would be Tommy Pham. Um, but that is in conjunction with other moves. None of those guys move the needle. I also would be prioritizing right-handed hitting corner outfielders over lefties because of the presence of Kelnick and Canzone, as well as the presence of players like Cade Marlowe and Zach Deloach and Taylor Trammell in the minor leagues. So I would be looking more for a right-handed hitting corner outfielder. A couple of no's that I think other people, other Mariners fans on Twitter, other podcasters will talk about wanting. Randall Gritchick went from Colorado to the Angels, put up some decent numbers last season, 16 homers, 100 WRC+. Plus. Look at his numbers home and away. Most of his numbers were because he was playing in Colorado. No thanks. We all know what that means. Uh, Max Kepler from the Twins, club option, which I believe they will pick up. Very similar to what I think Canzone can do. 260, 816 OPS, 24 homers, 124 WRC+, plus, 30 years old. Again, I think they'll pick up the club option. I like Kepler a lot. I think Dominic Canzone has that type of potential. He's a no for me because you have Canzone. And then Adam Duvall, 35 years old. He hit 21 home runs in only 353 plate appearances, 834 WRC plus, 834 OPS, 116 WRC plus. Um, too many strikeouts, 31.2% K rate. Uh, just not what the Mariners looking for. So where does that leave us? Again, offer tail the QO. If he says no, you're looking at Solera Bellinger. And I would love for the Mariners, regardless, to supplement with Tommy Pham or maybe a Mark Kana as the right-handed hitting fourth outfielder. Uh, other than that, it's mostly no's. And then I came up with a – I should add other names on the free agency list. Michael Brantley, 36 years old. Joey Gallo, K-rate doesn't fit the Mariners' approach. Kike Hernandez can't hit. Eddie Rosario, kind of too blah on average. Um, Mariners have Kate Marlowe and those guys that can do what Rosario does, basically. Harrison Bader, very good defensive outfielder, terrible hitter, 70 WRC plus last season. That's a no for me. Jason Hayward, 34 years old, had a 121 WRC plus as a, an exclusively – uh, hitter hitting exclusively against right-handed pitching for the Dodgers. They used him the way that he needed to be used. 
Uh, I don't think the Mariners need him. Not with the, again, the presence of Canzone and Kelnick. Hunter Renfro, not a value add. Uh, that brings us to trade candidates. Um, I came up with five. Uh, I know Mariners fans want the, want the Mariners to trade for Juan Soto. Um, the draft capital and the likelihood of him or unlikelihood of him signing or re-signing the Mariners, uh, not draft capital, but but uh, young player capital and the like unlikelihood of him signing with the Mariners is it makes it a no for me. I don't, Padres aren't trading him for nothing. I think they would require two or three big prospects to get him. I don't think the Mariners are resigning him to the kind of contract he's looking for. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but I think you can pitch to Soto a little bit. He's a high ball hitter. And part of his approach is to just take everything low. And I think that's something that pitchers can exploit a little bit. I get how great he's been. I get um, how young he is. Would he look great next to Julio Rodriguez? Of course he would, but not at the cost and not at the risk of him um not resigning. I would like to see the Mariners make more moves on the margins and more moves to just kind of balance out the lineup as opposed to going for that big fish, unless it's Shohei Otani. We'll get to Shohei in a minute. Ian Happ, switch hitting, corner outfielder for the Cubs, played a little bit of second base a couple of years ago, 29 years old. Reagent in 26, he has signed a uh, contract last year, three years, 61 million, about 20 million a year. 248 with a 360 on base and a 791 OPS last season. 21 homers, 14 steals, 118 WRC plus. I like him. Is he a huge needle mover? No, but I think he makes you better. 14% walk rate. He did have a negative seven outs above average. Sixth percentile in baseball. So a subtraction in the outfield. Why would the Cubs trade Hap? Um, they need to make room for their top prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong. Christopher Morrell has proven to be worthy of um, starters, plate appearances. So I think that the Cubs would at least listen on Hap. It would cost the Mariners pitching on all likelihood because that's what the Cubs need. Um, would I trade Hap for Wu Miller or Hap and something for Gilbert? Uh, probably not. Could you offer Hancock plus a minor league hitter? Probably. I don't know if the Cubs would bite, but I like Hap a lot. Lars Newbar, 26 years old, left-handed hitter, St. Louis Cardinals, free agent in 28. His big skill really is his ability to get on base, 367 on base percentage, 785 OPS last season. 14 homers, 11 steals, 118 WRC plus, 80th percentile, outs above average. Why would the Cardinals trade him? Um, his name has been floated around. They would make room for Dylan Carlson, Alec Burleson, or Victor Scott II, who's in the minor leagues. Again, this would cost pitching. We've gone round and round about the price for Lars Newbar. I am not willing to pay the price that the Cardinals are looking for. You're not getting any of those three pitchers for him. Does not make enough of an impact for me. Anthony Santander, now this one's interesting, 29 years old, switch hitting outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles. He is a free agent in 25. I think that's important to think about because 
The Orioles are a cheap organization. They're going to have to start playing, paying a bunch of their young players eventually. They're going to be looking to get something in return for Santander. They have to pay his arbitration this year. They may not want to. 257 with a 797 OPS last season. 28 homers, 119 WRC+, 8.5% walk rate, 23% K rate. 33rd percentile outs above average, an okay outfielder, but he hits for power. He is in some ways kind of like a poor man switch hitting Jorge Soler, if you want to call him that. But he's going to provide power. Um, He is a switch hitter. They are going to want to make room for all the guys that they have. They got Ryan Mountcastle still, Sam Hilliard. They just claimed off of waivers, but I think Hilliard is a major leaguer. Heston Kierstad, who we'll talk about in a minute former number two overall pick, Colton Kowser, former number five overall pick, who's one of their top prospects, Dylan Beavers. All these guys need a place to play, and they don't have that spot necessarily. So with Santander's contract coming up, I think that that is a possibility for the Mariners. It would cost pitching um, if they ask for Wu or Miller. For Santander, I would ask for another one of their minor leaguers because their system is so deep. Maybe a Connor Norby, a very good hitting uh, second base prospect who doesn't have a place to play. Maybe even a Jordan Westberg. Um, But Santander is interesting. I think it's a name to keep in the back of your head. Uh, Spencer Steer, I don't think the Mariners should be interested in him. He did hit 23 homers, 15 steals, 118 WRC+. Uh, but he's an accumulator, 665 plate appearances he required to be able to do that. So, it, and it would cost the Mariners one of their top pitchers. No go for me. Uh, also negative 17 outs above average, first percentile in baseball. Horrible defender. Alex Verdugo, not enough power, Boston Red Sox. Cedric Mullins is one that I like a lot. 29 years old. Also, same bucket as Santander. I think it's a uh, pick-your-poison sort of thing with him. 233, 305, 416 slug last season, uh, 721 OPS, 15 homers, 19 steals. He uh, six outs above average, 91st percentile uh, outs above average last season. He had... A 30-30 season two years ago. I think that Mullins has that in him still. He's only 29. Orioles are not going to want to pay him. Uh, Same bucket as Santander. I think pick the one that you want. Uh, There's other guys. Taylor Ward, 30-year-old, right-handed hitting, corner outfielder for the Angels. Wouldn't cost a ton. Um, Not Doesn't move the needle much for me. Brian De La Cruz, 27-year-old, corner outfielder for the Marlins. Bad defense, not enough impact with the bat. TJ Friedel for the uh, Reds had a great year last year. 116 WRC plus, 18 homers, 27 steals. Very good defender. I think it would cost the Mariners too much pitching to get him from the Reds. Um, And I think that the Mariners have that type of potential maybe in one of the Class A Marlowe DeLoach types. I don't know. Friedel doesn't do it for me. Lane Thomas is a player that people are going to talk about the Mariners acquiring. 
plays for the lowly Washington Nationals, 28 years old, arbitration eligible in 24, free agent in 26. They're not going to want to pay him. He doesn't fit the timeline. Uh, they have James Wood, top five prospect in baseball, Robert Hassel III, Dylan Cruz, top five prospect in baseball, all on the way. And this was the best year of his career. I would assume they're going to trade him very soon. He had 28 homers, 20 steals, 109 WRC+. plus. That all sounds good, but a 5.3% walk rate, which I don't like, negative three outs above average, so uh, below average defensive outfielder. I just think you're buying him at his peak, and they're going to want too much for him, so he's a no for me. Last one is Heston Kierstad, former number two pick, light tower power, very good hitter, not super mobile, Baltimore Orioles prospect. I think he's 25 at this point. He was hurt and ill, and that's part of why his development was um, stunted. But a very good hitter with a ton of upside. And as I said, that team, Baltimore needs to free up some positions. They're going to need to deal a couple of these guys. I don't know if Kierstad would cost more or less than Mullins or Santander, but he's a player I would love to see them go after. So for me, with trades, Ian Happ, Oh, I forgot to mention Seiya Suzuki is one that I would go after as well. I don't think the Cubs are trading Suzuki either. He's a fan favorite in Chicago, but 29 years old, $17 million AAV signed through 26. Hit a 126 WRC plus and above average outfield defense last season. Um, would love to see him in, in Mariners uniform. I would offer on Hap and Suzuki. I would see if you can get away with a trade for them without including one of the, one of the, uh, rotation starters. I would certainly offer on Santander and Mullins. I think you probably could get one of those two without having to give up one of those rotation starters. If you had to give up a Hancock plus a, a decent prospect, I think that's something you entertain. Um, but going after one of those two, I think would be a difference maker and Heston Kierstad as well. Um, Kierstad is more of a gamble because he's not a proven commodity, but I think he has more upside than any of those guys. So Finally, I'll go through some scenarios. To review, you offer Teo the, the QO. If he rejects it, you move on to Soler and Bellinger. The hope is that you can sign one of those guys. If you can't and you need to look into trading, I think Hap, Suzuki, Santander, Mullins, Kierstad are all players that are worthy of offers. I don't know if any of them truly make the Mariners a World Series contender, but they make the Mariners better. And I think you have to think incrementally about making this team better because there aren't a ton of big fish out there to sign. And we, as we know, the Mariners may not be willing to sign any of them anyways. Then the two players off of the maybe list, Mark Kana and Tommy Pham, I think are worth mentioning and worth acquiring. So we're going to finish up this episode with a couple of scenarios um, that I think are feasible. Uh, I'll give you my favorite first. Not everyone's going to. Well, my favorite is Sanchez Otani. I think Otani, you put him in as your DH, all of a sudden you are a probably a World Series favorite in some ways. Um, I don't know what it's going to cost. I have no clue what his market looks like because of the uh, the inability to pitch. I've had lots of conversations with friends about what this might look like. I have no clue. I do think, as I said before, that the Mariners would 
go way out of budget to sign him because of the ability to recoup that money through marketing. But under the Otani scenario, I see this as a one-off and I don't see Otani being signed as impacting anything else on the roster, which I know that sounds weird because it'd be this enormous contract, but you got to understand that the marketing potential and the attention that the Mariners would receive for signing Shohei Otani comes close to paying him. I said before, it's the same scenario as it was with Ichiro. Mariners didn't care how much Ichiro cost because he made up for it with marketing. So Otani's a one-off. I would love to see it. The only player I can think of that I like that would be less uh, less likely for the Mariners to pursue if they signed Otani would be Jorge Soler because he is primarily going to play DH as well. So let's put the Otani scenario off to the side. It's a one-off in my mind. I don't think it impacts a ton of anything else. Scenario one. Sign Teoscar Hernandez to the QO or sign Jorge Soler. Now you've got your right-handed power. Also sign Tommy Pham to be your fourth outfielder. Now in the corner, you have Kelnick and Canzone potentially as lefties. I think Kelnick takes the majority of the at-bats in left field. I think Canzone could potentially platoon. You've got either Tail or Soler who are going to give you 550 at-bats or plate appearances. And you've got Tommy Pham and all of these guys for, for plus J-Rod for four positions if you include DH. I think you find enough at-bats for Pham to get 350, for Canzone to get 400 or so, for Teo Soler or Soler to get, you know, their 500 or so. I think this would be a really good scenario for the Mariners. And all of a sudden, you're not putting, you know, Jose Caballero, Kate Marlowe, Dylan Moore out there, and you're not counting on them. You've got real legitimate major league hitters in these positions who are proven outside of Canzone. So scenario one is sign tail or Solaire, sign Tommy Pham. Solaire is your full-time DH. Kelnick and Canzone play against righties. Kelnick and Pham play against lefties. Dylan Moore now becomes your 26th man, your utility guy. He can platoon at second base with Josh Rojas. That's a legitimate, deep major league bench in that scenario. That is my favorite scenario. I think it's a good use of resources you're not trading any of your prospects to get these guys. You're not paying through the nose for Tail, Soler, or Fam. Um, that's my number one. Number two, you trade for a left-handed switch hitting bat. So it's the Hap, Mullen, Santander, Kirstad trade. Any one of those four, plus signing both Tommy Fam and Mark Con- Mark Conha. Now in the corner, you've got the bat you traded for, Hap, Mullins, Santander, Kierstad. You've got Kelnick. So those are your two corners against righties. You've got Canzone at first, primarily. Kana can play a corner outfield and be the right-handed batter or the right-handed hitting first baseman. Tommy Pham is there to platoon at times with Kelnick to give Canzone a break. Um You've got a veteran team at that point, right? It's the same scenario as the other one, except you're adding Kana and the bat that you traded for. Uh, again, in the scenario, you might not see Dylan Moore get many at-bats. That's okay. You're certainly not seeing Jose Caballero 
Sam Haggerty, those guys. Um, is the team better? It's deeper, right? There's no big holes anymore. Uh, does it really truly move the needle? Probably not for fans, but it probably does from a Fangraphs war standpoint and from a win standpoint. I think that team, that offense, plus the Mariners pitching, depending on what they do at first, pushes you closer towards low 90s wins and certainly the playoffs. Scenario four, which is the one that nobody wants. You stay in-house. Jared Kelnick, Dominic Canzone are your out corner outfielders against right-handed pitching. Uh, Dylan Moore plays against lefties. Probably Kelnick plays a lot against lefties. One of the quad A type outfielders, Marlo Haggerty, Classe, Deloach, Trammell is your fifth outfielder um, along with J-Rod. I think in this scenario, you must go out and sign or trade for a huge bat at first or DH for anyone to be happy. That's the scenario I would like to see least. I don't think that's going to happen, um, but I think it's worth mentioning. So again, my preference is that the Mariners spread around the money to deepen the roster as opposed to going after one big signing uh, but no more Haggerty types is what I have in my notes. Just the Mariners can't roll those guys out anymore. Not if you are serious about contending. I know everybody's saying it. I'm saying it too. I think Dylan Moore is fine because of the contract that you signed him to, but he should be your 26th man. He should not be a part of your core, right? He's a guy that's fungible that, you know what? He's off to a slow start. We got to go find us somebody else. Um, relying upon any of these quad A outfielders like Marlowe, Deloach, Trammell, Angle cut it. I think you need outfield depth. I think you need to go into 24 with a backup plan. Should Kelnick um, or Canzone not pan out? And you've got to be ready to pull that trigger quicker than you have previously. It's time. But if you put together assuming no Otani, if you put together an offense that has either Tail or Solaire and Tommy Pham, I guess you could substitute Kana if you had to. I think the outfield is pretty good, right? Under the scenario, the first scenario that I mentioned, which is Tail or Solaire and signing Pham. Now you've got an offense. This is what I would like to see from the Mariners. And this is not going to be sexy to everybody. I get it. But I think it's realistic, and I think it's a lot better than it was last year. You re-sign Tom Murphy. You've got Cal Raleigh and Tom Murphy at catcher. Ty France and Dominic Canzone are your first baseman. I think that with France, you sit him against tough righties. Obviously, he takes all the at-bats against lefties. Canzone gets a bunch of at-bats as well. I do think Ty France is going to come back a better player. I believe in drive line. We saw the result with JP last season. We know Ty France is going to drive line. The Mariners trade for Jorge Polanco from the Minnesota Twins. The Twins just picked up his $10.5 million option. Polanco is a player. Polanco is a very good offensive middle infielder. He changes the dynamic of this offense. He deepens this offense, right? He is a major leaguer. Polanco at second now puts Josh Rojas in the left-handed hitting utility role. I like him there a lot. I don't think he should be a starting second baseman for this 2024 Mariners team. You've got JP at short. 
I think you keep Gino at third, given his defense. Now you've got Kelnick and, you know, Dylan Moore or Tommy Pham in a corner. You got both both those guys, Moore and Pham and Kelnick. And then either Soler or Teo. And then J-Rod in center. So Cal Raleigh against righties, what I'd like to see. You've got Cal Raleigh, Dominic Canzone, Jorge Polanco, J.P. Crawford, Eugenio Suarez, Jared Kelnick, J-Rod. And either Jorge Soler or Teoscar Hernandez. It's good looking offense. That's a deep offense. There are no holes there. If you want to talk about a hole, it might be Eugenio Suarez, and he still does damage. I don't think you can call a rejuvenated Ty France a hole. And then on the bench, you've got Tom Murphy, Josh Rojas, Dylan Moore, Tommy Pham. Like, that's a legitimate bench. And it doesn't cost you a ton to do it, right? Solaire Teo is going to cost money. Fam is going to cost money, but he's old enough. It's a one-year contract. And you're going to have to trade a prospect for Jorge Polanco. That's it. Prospect or two. And not a huge outlay in money, probably $30 million annually, for Solaire or Teo plus Tommy Fam. Not a big outlay. That's $40 million total if you add Polanco as well. I don't think that's a huge ask to upgrade this offense. Um, you were already paying tail last season. It's yes, it's an uh, it's an increase in uh, salary for the team, but I don't think it's a tremendous increase. That's what I would like to see. This was my uh, approach to uh, Mariners outfield, specifically in the corner. I just this is the Mariners outfield episode, but there's nothing to say about Julio. We already know, right? MVP candidate, gold glover, all those things. Uh, Again, I want to see them deep in the roster. I want to see them be smart with the signings. I gave reasons as to why I think Jorge Soler's 2023 is legit. I gave reasons as to why I think Teoscar Hernandez is an acceptable option for one year in right field. And I gave some options for the Mariners to deepen the bench. So with with a Tommy Pham or a Mark Again, Otani is a one-off to me. I think if you sign Otani, you're not changing much other than saying, okay, we need a guy to play right field defensively instead of re- instead of signing Jorge Soler. Um, that offense that I talked about, adding Polanco, adding Soler Oteo, adding Pham, plus the Mariners pitching, is going to take you to the playoffs. I promise you. I promise you. That is a legitimate major league team. You're not relying on Ryan Bliss. You're not relying on Cade Marlowe. You're not relying on Taylor Trammell, right? The most reliance that you have on a young player is going to be Canzone or Kelnick. And I think those are players worth gambling on. So this was the 104th Mariners cast. We were talking about corner outfielders. Thank you for listening. Uh, Once again, we are presented by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos Mariners. E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Stay tuned. I will be starting to cover um, more of free agency reaction pods to any moves that the Mariners make. Um, Certainly be back uh, to talk pitching. 
next week. Uh, I'm going to go on a little bit later today and do the Seahawks 360 preview for the game against Baltimore uh, on Sunday. Enjoy your first November weekend. I certainly will. Uh, Take care, y'all. Have a beer. Eat that barbecue. Peace.